This episode of Tech Kamasala is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Enter the coupon code POD124 to get 10% off on all hosting plans. Go to GoDaddy.TheIndicast.com for more information. Welcome to Tech Kamasala, a technology podcast with an Indian perspective. This is episode number 14 for March 22nd. The Jesus Phone 3.0, now with copy and paste. I'm your host, Aditya, and along with me, I have Sakit. Hi, guys. So, Sakit, I got a couple of very interesting comments on the photo that we have posted on our website. That is your photo. and. Very interesting comments, especially from the, you know, a, a couple of female listeners that we have. And these female listeners are my friends. You know, they they were really interested in meeting you. They thought you were quite a character. Uh, I guess I was not really popular with the ladies, but this is surely a good sign. Surely a good sign. <laughs> Anyways, let's get directly into the Indian stories, Indian technology stories. There is a new research report which has been published by Symantec Globally which has ranked India as the number three country which is sending out the most email spam. What is important here is not that India is the number three country sending spam, but also certain statistics with respect to how Indian uh, spam has grown in size over the years. A year back when this report was released, I I guess India was way down the rankings. So uh, India accounted for like less than 1% of the world spam almost a year back. And now we are responsible for 5% of the world spam and uh, uh, we are number three on the index. So so that's what's interesting about this story. Yeah, and especially also I remember that back in 2007, uh, the IT minister, A. Raja, had announced that 76% of all Indian emails were spam. But isn't that a statistic for almost every country? I mean, like, I've been led to believe more than half of uh, all emails are spam anyway. I, I would say the case is a lot more serious when it comes to India, though. I, yes, there are a lot of, there is a lot of uh, spam that is being sent out. But it won't surprise me if uh, someone tells me that majority of emails from India are spam. Because, because I mean, g- given the computing environment that we have, we don't have patched copies of Windows or, or rarely do we have updated virus definitions on our antivirus softwares. So, and, and you know, I can actually see how this might be happening because you, you just leave your virus definition unupdated for a month or so and boom, your desktop email application gets affected by one of the viruses and then your computer basically becomes a bot sending out emails to everybody in your contact list. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's what typically happens. And I mean, like, uh, we, we have computer usage also going up in India as we speak. Broadband usage has gone up the past uh, few years. And I mean, the growth has been phenomenal there. So, But w- while the computers have grow, grown, I guess uh, awareness about computers, awareness about security practices, I mean, I, I mean, those still are a very long way off. Yeah, yeah. It, it basically comes down to lack of awareness probably. And But, but it is also interesting to uh, let people know that US is ranked number one as the most spamming country, which is then followed by Brazil and then India. Okay. So, yeah, pretty interesting statistics that are coming out. So moving on to another thing that happened, and this time it's a good thing in India. I don't actually I don't know whether it's a good thing that happened. Bebo, which is uh, which is UK's leading social networking site, Bebo.com, has uh, decided to enter India and has already launched in India apparently. 
Uh, I guess this again ties to the Indian internet growth story and uh, starting with Orkut and then Facebook taking an active interest in India and then slew of Indian social networks. I mean, it's only logical that uh, companies are foreseeing that there is going to be a, a huge growth of internet users and all of them, uh, for all of them, social networking is going to be an important function. So, not surprising, but I, I, I guess that uh, they are a tad bit too late because uh, as things stand, the market is slightly crowded. Yeah, I think right now the market is pretty much cornered first by Orkut and then the next hottest thing is uh, Facebook, uh, obviously. And uh, I don't know if uh, Bebo.com has enough qualities to stand apart to attract users into their community. Well, but then on the internet, it's all about content and it's all about intuitiveness and uh, so many other features. I mean, like uh, I mean, websites which are popular today may cease to be popular two years down the line because uh, they might not might not keep up with the times. Exactly, so, so and, that's where, and I uh, think I think in 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 Bebo's case as well, what they are doing is they are not they are not talking about the social networking capabilities, but what they have actually done is they have gone ahead and partnered with. The, the new Hindi entertainment channel that has come up, which is called Real. And, yeah, the, uh, the green logo. Yeah, and they have created an online community for the channel's, uh, you know, reality show, which is which is the flagship show on Real. It's called Sarkar Ki Dunya. So, uh, uh, they are expecting that all the fans of Sarkar Ki Dunya will log on to Bebo.com and start talking about whatever is happening on this reality show, etc., which I really don't see happening because given how bad the show actually is, it, it might not work out. Isn't the show modeled on Survivor? Yes, it, it is It is modeled on Survivor. I, I, I wasted an hour of my life. I tried to watch it because, you know, after this story came out, I thought, let me just check out what the show is all about so that I can talk about it on Tekka Masala. I could barely make it through that one hour. Forget about me watching this show online. That I think, and that is what that is what is lacking out here. You know, all these all these online uh, websites or these networking websites. The trend is in in India at least. The trend is to form a content partnership with uh, some channel and then create a, a community around it and then call yourself a social network. Yeah, I fully understand that, but. Uh... But don't you think that the marketers or, I mean, people wishing to launch new social networks are left with uh, the only strategy, which is content partnering? Because, uh, I mean, if they were to compete uh, with uh, other market players purely on the basis of how good the service actually is, it might take a long time to reach that kind of a user base. See, I and think here, here what they want to do is they don't want to probably experiment. Content partnership is has been a proven way of getting you know it's basically you have a ready-made user base and you are just providing them an online online house basically you know this is a very easy way of getting users but i don't know if it's going to be successful it also has to do with corporatization of online companies to a certain extent right now it's not just about providing the best services out there it's also about cutting deals yeah while google and while yahoo and all those all those people but their growth story is primarily based on the product whereas in india there have been a lot of copycat products lately the only value they can add is with content i mean if you take uh, let's say uh, reliance social network like let's say big Adda, Right. I mean, it's not that it was such a great novel idea, but the way they could grow it, only through by running contests and uh, tying up with people, and that's, that's pretty much the only route. What I feel is someone has to take the risk out here and come up with something new to offer, rather than going taking these easy ways of creating content partnerships and expecting people to join them.
So talking about social networking websites here, let's talk about the Facebook. Um, on Friday, Facebook got affected by a new bug which basically allowed users to view private photos and pictures of their friends which they didn't have access to. I think this is something to do with limited friends. This is uh, also a Facebook feature that you can friend someone but uh, uh, set them as a limited friend so that uh, uh, they can only view certain sections of your profile, uh, possibly the bio information and not have other access to your uh, app data and uh, so on. But yeah. uh, what, is, what happened here is uh, if you set somebody as a limited friend and if that person actually uh, deactivated and reactivated their profiles, somehow your setting of them as a limited friend, that vanished and uh, then that person had complete access to your profile. So that essentially was the bug, but uh, I believe that has been fixed as of Saturday. Yeah, so that got fixed immediately. But, uh, you know, as, as everything that is related to Google, Facebook, Microsoft or Apple, everything gets played up. I mean, for, for, for me personally, I didn't really care about this bug because I'm, first of all, I'm not as active uh, on Facebook as I am uh, on other websites. Plus, you know, I just really don't care. I just don't upload as many photos out there or I just don't upload uh, all my information on Facebook. So it wasn't a big deal for me. But I can imagine, you know, a couple of my friends who might have broken a sweat because they do, they, they practically live on Facebook. I am active on Facebook uh, mostly, but for me it's essentially uh, Twitter posting status updates and then people commenting on those updates and then me replying back to them on Facebook. Uh, that's pretty much what I do primarily. Uh, but I do browse around, I see what my friends are doing and uh, I'm moderately active otherwise. I was all hyped about Facebook and crazy about Facebook for about weeks and then it died down. But uh, talking about one of the web 2.0 companies which has had a consistent following over so many years is Flickr. Yeah, we have, we have a Flickr story this week. Uh, in fact, this, this uh, leads back to our last podcast Aditya, where you said uh, that Flickr should uh, take to selling pictures in the form of stock photography as a business model, obviously rewarding the original photographers. And that's exactly what has happened. So, I mean, I, I think you should be uh, getting the $50,000 that you talked about. Oh, yes, I definitely should be. And so, what basically has happened is Getty Images and Flickr have, have gotten into an exclusive partnership under which the editors at Getty Images, first of all, go through all most of the photographs on Flickr and are going to invite those people to sell their pictures to them so on Getty. They have actually unveiled this new collection called the Flickr collection. Now, I, I assume this already con contains uh, uh, pre-approved pictures wherein they've already so have spoken to the original photographers. Pictures are on sale as stock, stock photography with prices starting $49 and images are available for royalty-free, uh, uh, rights managed, the whole C-band. And uh, Flickr photographers uh, will uh, earn proceedings based on the sales of these images. This is pretty good and I think, I think this is great for, this is a great way of monetization as I had talked about last time. Well, there you have it. Yes. Moving on to the next story, we have Google up next. And uh, they have launched a new product, in fact, and this happened last week. Google has relaunched an existing beta product called Grand Central uh, under the name of Google Voice. Yes. So Grand Central was basically a company that they had acquired back in 2007 for $50 million and then had abruptly stopped taking new users onto this system. And I had assumed that this Grand Central is dead. Google has been cancelling a lot of applications and I thought the same 
might have happened to Grand Central. But surprise, surprise, you know, they just uh, announced that they will be rebranding it as Google Voice. So, so what is this? What actually is this service? Well, very plainly put, Grand Central is simply friend feed for phones. Uh, I mean, you can have as many phone numbers that you want, and uh, you can all unify them under under a common number. So you, people can call you on that common number. The, the the number will forward calls to whatever number you are on currently. So you can essentially have one public number and uh, uh, manage multiple numbers uh, at the same time. Have services like voicemail, SMS, and so on. Yeah, and and in fact, the voicemail they also have a feature where the voicemail. Uh, will be transcribed into text and can be sent to you as an SMS or as an email as well. Yes, they, they, they use the speech recognition technology which Google uh, specifically did develop for the Google 411 telephone directory where right. you just have to call a number and uh, speak out and uh, you, you get results. So uh, what this does is, does, does is that if you give someone somebody your grand central number, uh, they can send you a text message on that and they can call you and record a voice message on that. So you can receive a notification of that on your email uh, with the complete transcript. I mean, obviously you'll have to trust uh, the system with, with the transcription. But uh, I, I think it's great anyway. Yeah, from from what the from the reviews that I have read about this service, the transcription service isn't great, which is not surprising at all, given the speech to text technology hasn't been perfected as yet. But even then, you know, you get a message which is which pretty much conveys what the what the user actually might have intended to say. And for a change. Google has also come up with some sort of a revenue model which is not advertising based. Here they are charging for international calls. So US to US local calls are free on Grand Central but uh, you, you pay for international calls. So essentially what they are doing is uh, they are making money the way any other VoIP operator is making money. But uh, I am sure they will add value adds because Google, I mean, I mean Google Voice it, uh, has got uh, uh, an interesting Gmail like user interface. So I am sure they monetize that with advertisements. Yeah, let's see, let's see what happens with that you know but this is a good thing that they have done and before we move on to the next story let me get a quick word in from our sponsors godaddy.com who are providers of uh, domain registrations web hosting for all sorts of people no matter if you are a startup or uh, a full-fledged website or just want to you know simply register a domain they provide all sorts of services their prices are already 70% less than what uh, you can find elsewhere. And on top of that, they have they are offering all Tekka Masala listeners a special 10% off. And all you have to do is enter the coupon code POD124 while you are checking out. So go log on to todari.theindicast.com and don't forget to use the coupon code POD124 to get a 10% discount on your orders site for details, some restrictions to apply. So, um, so Apple, Apple and its iPhone or the Jesus phone, some people like to call it that way, it has announced the features that it would be releasing in the 3.0 version of its operating system. I think the iPhone is currently at version 2.x, so uh, they're they, they organizing OS 3.0 here. It seems to set right uh, uh, most of the iPhone's uh, current uh, shortcomings. Current right, most, most, most of the features that should have been there from right from yeah, version 1. People say are missing from the iPhone. So, right. so it, it tries and fixes that. 
and i mean it is rumored that there will be new hardware which might uh, take advantage of this os in a better way but as of now so os is free of cost to all existing iphone owners and ipod touch owners will have to pay 99.95 dollars for an upgrade yeah and and i'm pretty sure that uh, that the, the hacking community will get into action and this will be available for free for ipod touch users as well but uh, I don't know. Is is uh, hacking an iPhone legal? I, I don't know what you, what you mean by hacking. I mean, if hacking uh, implies uh, pirating the iPhone OS uh, and not paying them nine dollars ninety five cents, then I, I think that is illegal. But jailbreaking, which is something people widely do, I mean, and that's what people have been doing because the iPhone has been missing features like tethering and things like that. So yeah. uh, uh, technically, there's a group of people who argue that. Since you have already purchased the phone, uh, you should be able to use it wherever you desire. So right. If that's you want to use the phone to, uh, I mean, let's say you want to connect the phone to your computer and uh, use it for the internet, uh, you should be able to do that. But but at the same time, uh, there is Apple who claims copyright on the software code. So I mean, the, the end user license says that you cannot modify the software. You have to use it as is. So so. so so it's quite a gray area here. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much down with that because if I had paid. for a particular product then i can do whatever i want with it right that's the basic assumption that they are coming from um, so even if, if, if i don't want to get into that uh, argument because again that's a longer discussion let's just uh, quickly run down through the important features that have come out in the OS 3.0 for iPhone start with the uh, push notification so the server can actually send a push notification to the iPhone so uh, as against the iPhone pulling the server to find out if there is anything new i mean they can directly send uh, whatever it is to the iPhone so it's almost like an instant on thing uh, pretty much like the blackberry so i mean iPhone 2.0 already had push but uh, this, the push was uh, uh, restricted only to uh, apple application so third party developers were not uh, given access to a push api per se so what push notifications here means is that there's going to be a push api which third party developers will have access to so uh, you will receive push notifications from not only uh, the apps which are installed on your iphone but even those which uh, you might purchase from the uh, app, app store app store yes and the next important function that has come up is the cut copy paste support which is uh, going to be finally finally going to be available natively in iPhone so along with cut copy paste the other new feature is mms so uh-huh. uh, now you can also send mmss through iphone which you could not earlier yeah uh, other interesting features are uh, uh, in app purchasing so i mean you can have an ebook reader app and then buy books through it that is something typically you are not allowed to do in the current scenario you have to buy everything through the app store so that's one more thing and then there is going to be a peer to peer connectivity between iphones for sharing data uh, that was one common gripe you could not share uh, files with other phones Uh, with uh, other phones using bluetooth i guess you can't even now but at least you can share files using two iphones here yeah so, so basically uh, what was happening was there is the, the bluetooth a2d a2dp adapter was missing which they have managed to you know embed in this one that that's some good news the, i think the the coolest feature that i am really ex- excited about as an iphone user is the spotlight feature that they have uh, included in this particular firmware upgrade so what this spotlight feature is that it's going to allow you to search for anything across iphone application so if you just type in uh, elvis presley it's going to it's going to give you results that are matching elvis presley songs in your uh, itunes it it will match elvis presley results in your email or if you if you have 
contacts, for example, I have stored Saket, your name as Saket Elwis Vaitya, so it will show up your contact uh, as well. I am really uh, stoked about that particular feature because I just carry so much data on my iPhone. It's not a phone just for me because it's just not a phone for me. It's, it's actually a, a mini computer. I carry a lot of stuff on it and this feature is going to be very handy for me. So that's what the trend has been. Uh, smartphones are becoming uh, powerful by the day and they're becoming full-fledged computing devices. So when desktops start getting powerful and they start getting more storage, finding files became a problem. So you had uh, a lot of index-based uh, desktop search solutions like uh, Google Desktop Search or I mean Yahoo has its own version out. Uh, there is Windows Live which comes with Windows and Apple of course always had Spotlight. So uh, what they're doing here is that they're taking the Spotlight parallel from the Mac OS, uh, which the desktop Mac OS, uh, to the iPhone, and which I think is going to be a great thing because I've seen a lot of people with uh, completely stuffed iPhones. So I, uh -huh. I mean, this is going to be a huge help for them. Looking forward to that. They still haven't actually announced when they are going to release this upgrade. But uh, it's Sakir is just amazing as to how Apple manages to get to create buzz not only for its hardware but also for firmware upgrades within its hardware. I mean, firmware upgrades have, were never even talked about before iPhone came in. Uh, that is what we call the cult of the Mac. Yeah, cult of the Mac in action there. Now that we have uh, spoken about Google, Yahoo, uh, Apple, how can we leave Microsoft out? So even Microsoft went out and released IE8, which they, they had put out and was in release candidate mode for almost a year. Yeah, I get IE8 is Microsoft's big story. I mean, I mean, uh, they've been trying to set right whatever they did wrong with uh, their browser, IE6, which something which is something they allowed to languish for so many years. So uh, IE7 was an improvement, but it didn't didn't really do much. It still had uh, standards compliance issues and. Uh, simply didn't make the cut. So uh, what they've done now, and they're pretty late, I must say, is uh, they finally come out with a browser which is standards compliant. Uh, th th there is a compliance mode, essentially, which tries right. to emulate i7, whereas there's a standards compliant mode, which is a uh, compatibility mode that emulates i7, whereas the, uh, the standards compliant mode is as good as Firefox or any other browser. Uh, earlier, the plan was to have the compatibility mode as default, with people having to specifically specify in their websites that a site should be rendered in the standard compliance mode if at all they want to have their website standard. Right. Yeah, so talk, talking about the features that IE8 has, uh, there are some interesting features and not so not so great features. They have something called as accelerators. For example, if you have an address in the web page, you can what you can do is simply right click on it and you can probably get a map of it or you know if you just highlight a particular text, you can quickly send it to a blog and things like that. So all these things which can be done in a Firefox using app plugins are now natively built into IE. Uh, there are websites which are trying to come out with accelerators and since IE is I mean definitely a big browser no matter how good or bad it is. I'm sure accelerators are going to see a lot of excitement as compared to uh, uh, Facebook, uh, Firefox add-ons with traditional websites. So quite surprising that with the launch of IE8, 12 Indian websites have already released their accelerators. They, they constitute Bharat Matrimony, Economic Times, uh, Games to Win, In.com, India Times, a lot of them in fact. The other features include in private browsing which is basically anonymous browsing you can go watch all sorts of phone and 
your parents wouldn't come to know where you have been other thing that they have built in click jacking prevention as well as phishing prevention as well i think this is the usual stuff which which should have been there all along which should have been there uh, all along but but the most the most exciting feature for me is the crash recovery feature so so this makes i similar to chrome whenever yeah. a tab crashes it won't take, take down the whole browser and it will also protect the content and restore and reload the content from where you left off so that's what it does differently from chrome yes to give you a quick personal experience of i8 i tried to use i8 for about 2 days then i got frustrated and firefox immediately while trying to get used to windows 7 uh, first of all i went into in private browsing and then just couldn't figure out how to get out of that mode you know getting in was very easy yeah that was very bad so so it was it was like who's that guy from mahabharat abhimanyu yeah abhimanyu the chakravyu guy <laughs> exactly the chakravyu guy you know i i got in but just couldn't figure out a way out and then gave up and said i am going to firefox that's where i belong probably uh, i guess however the uptake of the browser has been quite slow so I don't think they have exceeded anything more than 2 2.5% market share as now now i didn't give it enough time probably i should have given i enough time to get for me to get used to it etc but the reviews are saying that i8 is not the fastest thing out there No, I eight definitely is not the first thing out. I mean, they've been benchmarking test uh, uh, out, tests out uh, every second week, and as of now, when just to use a cliche expression, I mean, the web 2.0 era, JavaScript has become very important. So, yep. uh, how fast your browser is able to process JavaScript, and that really, I mean, is a make or break thing. So, uh, I mean, here we have Google, Apple, and Opera. All of all of them are in a mad dash for uh, that's what the browser supremacy war. has all boiled down to and uh, ie6 ie7 ie8 are all way behind in that aspect yeah but but talking about browsers so talking about web browsers recently the phone to own hacking contest uh, was completed and which basically involved letting people hack into all the major browsers out there this included ie8 safari firefox and chrome as well and guess who lasted the longest it was chrome Uh, yeah, so phone to own. I mean, to, to tell our users more. I mean, listeners more. Essentially, a con contest where they uh, put up popular software products out there for hackers, and uh, uh, they're asked to hack into those systems. So it's essentially uh, like an ethical hacking exercise uh, uh, with the reward that successfully uh, hack into a, a machine or a piece of software, uh, you get gifts and prizes. I mean, you get cash prizes. So, so phone to own this time, uh, the contest was about browsers. So you had IE8, Safari, Firefox, and Chrome all compete. thing and uh, i8 safari and firefox all fell to a single hacker who whose handle is nils nil so, so the first to fall i guess was safari which uh, i think fell in the first few minutes and then followed by i8 and firefox but uh, i guess after two days of that the, the contest uh, chrome still i mean stood the test yeah so uh, and it's very interesting how the contest actually happens on day 1 hackers are allowed to attack default installations okay where where nothing is added to the browsers or the computer and then on day 2 flash and java and .net or quicktime are installed on the on the computer and then hackers have a go at it on day 3 other popular applications such as you know uh, acrobat reader and uh, all other applications that have some browser hook to them are installed essentially input manager hacks or uh, all other applications which have browser based plugins right right exactly and then I, and from what i gather phone to own is basically if you manage to hack that particular machine you own that machine so that that itself is a 
surprise, which is very interesting. I guess last year everybody was trying to have a go at the MacBook Air and uh, they're successful. That's not bad. A couple of minutes job, I feel. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Anyways, that's all that we have for this particular show. Sakit, do you want to add anything more? Yeah, of course. You you can follow this podcast at any time on the website that is theindicast.com and you can follow both of us on Twitter. I am at twitter.com slash Walturo and Aditya is at twitter.com slash acmatre. And if you have any opinion which you which you would like to share with us, you can always uh, comment on the podcast set on the website itself or email us at techkamasala at theindicast.com. That's right. Uh, we, we Also, I request you guys to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast through Google Reader or through iTunes, which is probably the best way to get the podcast. And uh, obviously, there are... Okay, now, now, you open source nut, don't go crazy on me. I know there are open source applications also out there. And I guess that is what okay. you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess we should also give them the RSS feed uh, for the podcast. That is... Uh, feeds.feedburner.com slash tech ka masala. Yes, uh, that's as simple as it can be. Uh, that's about it from me. Also, uh, if, you, if you are looking for web hosting space or domain names, don't forget to use our coupon code pod124 on codaddy.com. That's about it from me. Bye-bye. Uh, thank you, guys. ಬೋಧರ ಸೋಹೆ ಭುಜಾಚಾರ ಕದಂತ ಚಂದ್ರಮಾಲ ಲಾಟ ರಾಜೆ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವಿಷ್